Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobulb.org. Good morning, everybody. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you. For our call to worship, we recall these words from the psalmist. Our God, you bless everyone whose sins you forgive and wipe away. You bless them by saying, you told me your sins without trying to hide them, and now I forgive you. And with those words, we begin our service with the singing of our hymns of praises. going to do our opening prayer now, and I just mentioned at the end we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer together. Let us bow our heads. Father, as we bow our heads before you in this sacred place, we realize that we have come from many walks of life, bringing with us many needs and hopes. And we earnestly pray that you will this morning even now, meet us in power as we expectantly wait and worship in your presence in this time of adoration. We thank you, our God, for giving us such revelation of yourself in your grace and providence that we can praise you, not only with our lips, but also with our lives and deeds. Indeed, Lord, we would truly glorify you this morning. And as we contemplate our daily living, we pray that you will walk with us, O God, in the simple paths where we must encounter the day-by-day routine of life. Please guide us as we face life's testing of private perseverance, where there are few, if any, accolades of praise or bright reward. And Father, when the heavenly vision grows dim and our hearts become weary, let us feel your presence and steady our steps that we may press onward, even in darkness, toward the light ahead. And if we are alone and the task seems more than we can do, or if done and not at all welcomed by the world, We pray that you reveal your presence at our side, that we may continue our labor, sustained by your help. In our many needs, we pray that you will meet us in the struggles of life and fortify us as we continue our journey across the days ahead. Turn us from the dreams of far glory and rather to work in the commonplace circumstances of this mortal world and disclose to us the miracle of your grace in unexpected places. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, through our belief in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, inspire our hearts to seek you in your word daily. Give us both individually and together. Let us grow as we seek the peace of your presence. Help us to walk faithfully and fiercely after Christ, reflecting his lives, his love, And use our lives, Lord, to reach those who desperately need to know 
that you love them. Now in this opening prayer, we ask that you help us to worship you in this time of reverence, in spirit and in truth, that we may go from this gathering in this sanctuary, renewed and inspired to be your disciples in the waiting world. Even so, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose mighty name we conclude our prayer in the words that he taught us. said these words to the Corinthian church, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you could become rich. And with these, in mind, with these words in mind, your offerings may now be handed into the collection box in the front. Father, receive and bless these gifts in our lives, O God, which we offer in response to your steadfast love. As your Son Jesus transformed people's lives, so may the lives of others be transformed through these gifts and through our love and through our witness. Because it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. O oh God, open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word, and give us grace to receive it, to understand it, and to obey it, for the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, Reverend Heidi gave a wonderful sermon on the theme of creation. She asked me to continue with this theme, and because I always listen to what the minister says, I'm going to do it, and, and I've called this meditation today, A New Creation. Theologians tell us that the God we meet in the revelation to Israel and in Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. 
I'm sure that for most of us here today, this seems self-evident as the God we worship is the ground of our existence. However, there can be others, and perhaps some of those that are going to listen to the podcast that will follow the service, who may feel, especially during the seemingly never-ending COVID pandemic, with its millions of deaths and countless others having to endure the virus's ravages before healing, that the world around us does not reflect God's love, but actually clashes with it. And if this is your thinking, I would put to you that when the God we meet in Revelation conflicts with the world, it is precisely because it is his own creation, but humankind has made life in the world not what God created or intended it to be. More seriously, the entire content of our Christian faith conflicts with what is daily experienced in life, in a world of sin, in a world of suffering, and in a world of death. I put to you that what we desperately need is an insistence that our Christian faith takes on again the belief that is self-evident and self-evidence in the creation story as revealed in Jesus Christ. And when we do that, the world can be corrected and incorporated into the context of a new redemptive faith. So the question that we are meditating on today is how does Christian faith intersect with our desire for a new start, for a better and less frustrating and more successful life? In short, for a new creation to take place in our lives and in the world in general. Let me begin by saying that Christianity is at the same time the most brutally realistic and the most optimistic of perspectives on the human condition and in the way we live. From the story of our first parents in the Garden of Eden, breaking faith with their creator and falling out of harmony with God's creation and blaming one another, right up to the time of the Apostle Paul's declaration to the Roman congregation that, quote, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, unquote. We become all too aware that there is a tragic flaw in all of us, that sin is not just an affliction of some individuals. Sin gets spread into institutions and social structures, like racism, for example, so that there really is a sense in which, as we find in the book of Exodus, that the sins of the parents are visited upon the children to the third and fourth generations. What's more, this problem of sin is something we cannot take care of ourselves, no matter what a motivational speaker might say. Paul again says to us, instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. What a miserable person I am 
Who will rescue me from the body that is doomed to die? And it's precisely at this point that Christian faith shows itself as the most hopeful and optimistic of perspectives on the human condition. What we cannot do for ourselves, what we cannot do by ourselves, God offers us through his amazing grace and amazing love. So Paul could exclaim to the Roman church, thank God, Jesus Christ will rescue me. The one who has created us in the first place, the one who has sustained us through all our adventures and misadventures, through all our dreams and quests, has entered into our human situation to transform us from the inside out. So in one of our biblical texts, Paul says to the worldly, quarrelsome Corinthians, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. What Paul is telling us is that our human wisdom sees the limitations in ourselves and others. Too often we hear that he or she is too old or too young or too sick or too poor or too addicted, or he'll never be any different, or she'll always be the same. But the good news of Jesus Christ in Paul's response to the foregoing negativity is, and I again quote, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. Whenever people are living in Christ, a new creation, God's kingdom is breaking out right there and then. And as Paul proclaims, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Among the various words that scripture uses, to describe Christ's transforming effect on us, reconciliation stands out in this fractured world of ours. We are pulled apart by grace, by race, by gender, by creeds, by political loyalties, and the yawning chasm between the rich and the poor that has worsened around the world during this COVID pandemic. And then there is the problem of sinfulness. Sin separates us from a holy God and makes us lonely and anxious. Sin divides us from one another and fills us with envy, resentment, and blame. Sin even divides us from our own best. So as Paul said to the Romans, we cannot do what we want and we become poisoned by these sinful divisions. But there is an answer. The biblical pictures of God's new creation, the peaceable kingdom of Isaiah 11, where lions and lambs will lay down together, and the wedding banquet, where strangers are gathered to the wedding feast from the alleyways. These are all pictures of reconciliation. Whenever God's new creation breaks out, it transforms individuals 
groups of people, cultures, and entire environments. In my adult life, I've always had an interest in American politics and the various presidents of the United States. But don't let me begin even about my views of President Trump. But I wonder if you can recall the Watergate scandal of a few years back that ended the presidency of Richard Nixon. There was one individual by the name of Chuck Colson who was such a cold-blooded political operative in the Nixon administration that he once said that he would run over his grandmother if he had to do it to further his political goals. Colson was caught up in the Watergate scandal and was eventually sentenced to a term of imprisonment. While in prison, he had a dramatic conversion experience. And when he got out, and in complete contrast to what he was before his prison time, and by distancing himself from that experience, Chuck Carlson founded the Prison Fellowship Ministry in the USA. He even wrote a best-selling book of his life conversion in prison, and ever since then has spent his time and energy advocating for the most despised members of our society, the incarcerated. That's what we could define as a new creation. One of the major problems of, in our world today, and which is in complete contrast to the way in which God entrusted the care of his created world to us, is how humankind has mishandled the climate. We are all too aware of the tremendous strain our exploding human population and our technological lifestyles have put on the life systems of planet Earth. And the dire need now is to bring about climate change. And in this I fully believe that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is understood and lived out in all its fullness, entire environments can be transformed and the decline in climate checked and reversed. As an illustration, let me share with you a story from India. I'm not too sure if many of you know the name of Dr. Marion Boer. That's spelled B-O-E-H-R. She was an American Baptist ministry who went, and a doctor who went to India and spent 35 years there in mission. Dr. Boer performed many, more than 30,000 surgeries. In her testimony, she said that she used to operate with one hand on the scalpel and the other holding open a medical textbook because she encountered diseases and deformities in India which no doctor had seen or been trained for in the Western world. And she had to do it all, from delivering babies to removing gallbladders to setting bones to removing cataracts. Certainly her works of mercy as a medical doctor have blessed thousands of people. 
But that is only the smallest part of her impact. When she arrived in the village, which was to be her home for the next 35 years, the only land she and the small group of Christians could obtain for the hospital was a barren, rocky hillside on a sun-baked exposure. Muslim village leaders made it available to the Christians because it was no good for anything. The first thing Dr. Boer and her friends did was to plant dozens of small trees, which they watered every day by hand. Then they built a small clinic building where the trees they planted would someday give some shade. The trees and the hospital grew together. The trees with their roots going deep into the water table brought up moisture where the trees generated, which the trees generated into the air as they respired, creating a human microclimate in that and the village. And in that microclimate, the Christian community was able to plant gardens in the new soil to feed themselves and their many patients and guests. Today, the hospital compound is the coolest, most beautiful spot for miles around. That from a dry, barren spot. Since Dr. Boer's retirement, the entire operation is run by Indian Christians, doctors, nurses, technicians, administrators, and gardeners, and it is now an outpost of a new creation, a transformed human and natural ecosystem which is blooming on an Indian hilltop. So that's my theme for today. Paul's stirring, a stirring proclamation that if anyone be in Christ, there is a new creation. Maybe its full extent is still out there in the future, but we can begin to see it now. So I urge you to look around. Look among us. Look within and believe it. This is a new start to a new creation that is most real. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.